Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 169 of Slamfire Radio. Today is August 26, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel, the Hunting Year Guy, Michelle. I'm another one, Trevor. I'm back from my cross Canada adventure for latte. I'm Matthew. Happy that Trevor's back as well. And I'm Kelly, and I'm happy everyone's here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, for what we did in guns, why don't we start off with uh, Matthew? Yay, that's me. So remember last week when I said I didn't do nothing? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I just had. Apparently, I have terrible memory. I wrote it all down on my phone and then neglected to check it and completely forgot that I pulled off some epicness. But we'll get back to that in a minute because I'd like to end on a high note. So uh, I did some dry uh, dry fire. Uh, so I used my Glock airsoft, but I didn't use pellets. But I did use loaded mags with gas. So is it like wet fire then? Because I'm, I'm shooting, and there's like the slide gassy going, but fire. nothing's coming out. What is that? Gassy fire. Gassy fire. So I did some gassy fire practice with my uh, my airsoft Glock, so that was kind of fun. And I shot the air pistols a little bit, too, in the backyard, just plinking, just having some fun with them. I haven't shot them in a while. Um, and then I got out to the range with Matt and Thomas Bryant's Swiss Arms, and we mm-hmm. had a really good afternoon at the range, and I finally got the rest of the footage that I needed and put together a review video. So any of you who haven't been on our Facebook page lately, you should check that out. And uh, and you can see Thomas Bryant's gun in action. And it's, uh, it's a really nice rifle. I really like it. Aside from its weight, of course, because it weighs almost 11 pounds. So that's a, that's a heavy rifle for a 223. But the nice news is it's light on, light on recoil because it weighs 11 pounds. How much does it weigh without the scope and mount on it? I'm not taking his scope off. I'm mm, I'm not that point. kind of guy. I'm the kind of yeah. guy where if a man puts a scope on a rifle, I leave it there and I don't move it around. That may or may not be a dig at somebody from our past. However, we'll continue on. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't move another man's scope? That's that is what I said. Yes. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Oh, you just took, you just walk up and just give the uh, turret a, a quick little spin a around. <laughs> <laughs> or just say, I know more than him, so I'm moving it to the correct location. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're shooting a little bit to the left here. Let me get a spin for that. Let me fix that for you. Yeah. Oh, I but, do that to filthy. I took yeah, filthy's oh, yeah. gun. I took, oh, what I did in guns. Yeah, I'll come back to that. I gotta yeah, that it'll be your tune in a, turn in a minute. Yeah, it's my tune in a minute. <laughs> it'll be your tune in a minute. Okay, and spoke. Uh, so anyway, that's what I did with this uh, with guns this week. Now, last week... I uh, I got out and did some off-roading with uh, Curtis and my nephews, uh, Chris and Liam. And we went uh, just sort of into the back 40 of my parents. They got a, a whole bunch of property. And, and we have a, a couple of favorite shooting spots because they're they're old gravel pits. And so we got these awesome berms that are, you know, quite high. And we can we can just do some shooting and have some fun. And, and uh, there's a, a little stream that runs through. So it's, it's just an ideal spot just to go hang out, skip rocks, shoot guns, have some fun, whatever. 
So we're back there, and uh, Curtis had his 22. It's a, a Marlin 795, same as what I've got, except he's just got the regular factory stock on it, not the uh, the ATI stock that I have on mine. But uh, uh, open sights, just you know your stock standard uh, 795, and we thought we'd start doing a little bit of trick shooting. So we started off by picking some branches off of low-hanging trees and started picking you know pine cones off and and then we started we, we progressed to shooting stalks of grass so we'd pick out a, a particularly high stock of grass and we would shoot the stalk and and watch it fall over so that was kind of neat we're doing these at you know i don't know 10 to 15 meters so not stupid super far but far enough that it's impressive for somebody watching you know no oh, you just shot a grass over that's kind of cool so there, these little bugs were buzzing around and and I told the co-host last week after the show I said they were flies that they weren't house flies they were they were these little I don't know I don't even know what they were they're kind of like a cross between a mosquito and a moth for all I could tell I don't even know what they were but they weren't flying particularly quick but they're about the size of a house fly and I saw one go by and the way the sun was was setting at that moment they were standing out just perfectly against the backdrop and so I was like hey watch this completely kidding of course raise the rifle up press the trigger and I shot the wings off of the bug, and it spiraled down into the water, and everybody just went, holy crap. And I, 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 of course, was just as shocked as the next guy, but because I had been successful, of course, I tried it again and blasted another one dead on. Just the, the, the fly was there, I pressed the trigger, it was gone. So Matthew, uh picks or it didn't happen i i know all i have <laughs> all i have is witnesses and i can get them on they've all agreed to testify on my behalf i can get them on the show for them to testify all been but paid off <sighs> in full there, there was no video no picture of course but it did happen i swear it was so it, epic my, Adriel, my, my nephew theory is yeah. my theory is as the bullet went by the pressure of the bullet simply knocked the wings off the fly <laughs> There was no fly. <laughs> <laughs> there was no second fly, I'll tell you that, because he vaporized. That bullet hit him dead on. I've seen Matthew shoot rifle from standing. I, I would tend to believe it. it uh, yeah. Well, uh, all I know is my nephews aren't going to cross me anymore. They know how I can shoot. So <laughs> they're, they're like, okay, you win. We will behave. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, some trick shooting, is, it's always fun. Then you pull off those impossible shots, and that's even more fun. Usually, you know, you do that, like, do it again. I'm like, nope, I'm done, because I knew it was a, just a fluke. But uh, this time I decided to press my luck, and, and it paid off. But I didn't try for a third one. I was done after that. <laughs> but anyway, that was, uh, that was the fun I had the last couple of weeks with guns. I think it's Trevor's turn. Cool. Well, let's uh, start with my vacation in British Columbia. I actually got to go out to the Abbotsford Fishing Game Club uh, twice. Once I went out with um, a guy by the name of Charlie and his buddy, Abby. Charlie's actually originally from here, and I met him here. And then he told me when I was out there to look him up, and he'd take me shooting, and he did. So I'm looking forward to returning the favor now that I'm back here to take him out shooting. The highlight of that trip, well, a couple of things. Um, one was I got to shoot his Kdex rifle. Now, Kdex is a Canadian company out of Quebec that makes amazing chassis systems for today's popular bolt-action rifles. But they've taken it to the next step, and they actually fabricate from the ground up, from the ground up their own rifle. I can't say enough good things about this rifle, so I won't even start. I mean, if you've got four grand and you want a precision rifle, look them up. 
it's it's money money very well spent um unfortunately we weren't shooting it past 100 but we were still walking them all in there in the same hole um had this really cool muzzle break on it he has one in 308 but of course they make them in all kinds of different calibers uh just a fantastic rifle i also met a guy there who worked for mdt he was really cool to talk to um and i met a guy there with Preshek venture mags so some boys some bulls some boys rolled in while we were shooting and they brought out the black rifles and the pistols and stuff so being me i always go over to see what they're shooting and if i if i say hello and if i see something i haven't seen before i i start talking but i saw a guy with Preshek ventures mags and i'm like how do you like those mags oh my god i love them and i'm like all right cool i know the guy who makes them so i was, of course, I was name dropping. I know him. <laughs> I know Matthew. <laughs> Unfortunately, I also met the world's biggest FUD. Oh. This guy was about 208 years old, and his idea of giving a safety orientation was telling stories about himself and his son. No word of a lie. Not only, okay, the entire range was empty, and the Abbotsford Fishing Game Club has an archery range, a cool clubhouse with an indoor range, and then a bunch of outdoor ranges at different distances, all sharing basically a common shooting line with concrete walls in between. All the other ranges were empty. Here we are, the only two people on the range wanting to shoot, and what does this guy do? He stays right there. The range is empty. We literally stood there for 15 minutes listening to this guy tell stories. While he's telling stories, one of the new club members that was on this orientation is like, uh, is this going to be done soon? Because I was told it would be over at 5 and I need to get to work. And then he starts chastising the guy. And I, like, Buddy just should have fired back and went, you know what, putts? If you would just stay to the safety orientation, we'd be out of here. I don't care that your son's a pilot. Like, really. Anyway, the guy was fuddy. Um, so much so that I actually complained to the president. I'm like, I know I'm not a member here, but this guy's got to be a problem. And then I spoke to some other members. Oh, I got to meet uh, Nathan from uh, Osprey Ordnance. He lives right up the hill from the range. He came down to say hello in person, which was really cool. Uh, but yeah, I guess this guy is is a problem. He's doing this. Uh, I complained to the president about it. So the president is uh, Rob Ng, an Ipsic shooter. You may recognize him by his fangs. That's a story for another day. I saw $40,000 worth of landscaping. You know your gun club has a lot of money when they spend $40,000 on flower beds. Just saying. Never in Restigush. Um, What else? I went out there again with Rod Giltaka, which was cool. Rod met me out there. Oh, I met Dawn. Kelly, I met Dawn in person. Dawn Dealey, yeah. She is awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. She's got the sweetest CZ SPO one shadow I've ever laid my hands on. It's done up perfectly. The right grips panels are on there. The trigger is amazing. She gave me some of her Ipsic loads to try. Accurate. Oh man, what a sweet gun. It makes me regret selling the one that I that I had here for a little while. Um what else? Well and then Rod came out and uh we shot Rod's um SIG P three twenty and his Glock and did uh we ran a couple of drills he had a nice piece of steel so we were doing some mozambiques on it so that was a lot of fun and then rod took me up to his place for for burgers and i got to handle his xcrl the newest generation xcr that sucker is back on the list one of the reasons why i got rid of my xcr was because it was heavy well they've gone key mod they shaved the rifle down in all the right places i always loved the manual arms and the xcr but i hated how heavy it was well now it weighs no more than a regular 16 inch air 15 so if you got three grand to spend on a non-restricted rifle with air ergonomics and and controls definitely look at the xcr again i could I just to... uh sell thomas's uh swiss arms and buy one couldn't i he do wouldn't it, mind do it because yeah, he... it's 
You're okay with that, right, Tom? It's no big deal, right? He's fine. He's totally fine. He's easy going. He's obviously easy going or wouldn't keep sending people his guns. Yeah. So. And equipment. Yes. Ruger Precision uh, Rifle. I've got his laser uh, rangefinder here. Yeah. 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 Uh, Adriel, do you have a Ruger Precision Rifle? Will's got one. Will's got one, right. Well, a buddy of Rod's came over. And he spent like 15 minutes showing me how his dope chart worked. Like, it was amazing the wealth of knowledge this guy has. And did you have um, like the munchies afterwards or what? No, it's not the kind of dope chart oh. at all. I know I was in BC. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just because it just made sense to me. You're in the West Coast and, you know, dope no, that's and charts. Not what I mean by dope. No, no. Munchies. So, anyway, Ruger Precision Rifle. For the money, these things are cheap. Like, they're like. What are they like? Two grand, maybe twenty five hundred bucks, and they're a lot of rifle for that money. So, no, they're um, less than that. They're like sixteen hundred. Oh, very well engineered for that. I mean, like they they took their Ruger American action and they made like uh, the one thing that I th- think is really cool. They, so they designed it to be for, like from the ground up to be a precision rifle, and you can tell by things like the bolt telescopes into the uh, buttstock. Yeah, that's so not something you can get with an aftermarket, right? It's uh-uh. just like it's so well designed. It is. It takes. It, they've got an air buffer tube on there, so you can put on any air stock you want. The uh, Magpul Precision Rifle stock will go on there, like whatever you want, or you can keep their stock on there. So the, the modularity is there for seventeen hundred bucks. My God, no, it's a lot of rifle for that. I could definitely see myself popping on one of these, depending on what happens with my three hundred eight. Um, maybe I'll get one in 6.5 and keep my 700 in 308 because my 700 has gone back, actually. Um, so what else did I do? Oh, well, when I got back to Fredericton, I was staying at Filthy's, and Fred and I went out to his and Phil's range out in Tracy and did some shooting. Um, we met a cool guy there from the military who I recommend that he listen to the show. Cool guy, although he had an SKS. I'm not going to hold it against him because he was a cool guy. Um, maybe. Maybe, just maybe, sometimes cool people own SKSs. I'm not 100% sure on that. I've got to conduct some more research, but it's happening more often than not. I'm meeting cool people who own SKSs, so I try not to hold to judge them, but, you know, I judge them quietly. Um, What else? I reloaded some ammo because I'm headed to uh, hang out with Matt Lorette and Andy Shan and Stephen Casey and uh, who, who knows who else this weekend at the Nova Scotia Ipsic Provincial Championships. I'm hoping that they're going to repeat some of the stages from the Nationals because there's a couple that I want revenge on. I don't know. I haven't been on here since I went to the Nationals. I don't know if I was, but the Nationals were mostly awesome. Um, let's see. I sold an AR lower, but I bought a full AR, so that that makes up for it. Uh, I bought an SDI Trojan in 9mm. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? He tried to... What? You tried to sneak that by nice and quiet, but it didn't work. AR and uh, and then uh, SDI Trojan. Yeah, just a little nice here. I bought an SDI Trojan in nine millimeter and skip over anything. Yeah, yeah, but you kind of yeah. And then I'm gonna move on to something else real quick. Hopefully my hosts don't realize I just bought a 1911. But no, 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 no. Carry on. Okay, good. So I bought a. Yes, I bought a 1911. I couldn't look. Best caliber or worst caliber. Uh, I bought it in the best caliber, nine millimeter. Oh, you've strayed so far, Trevor. <laughs> well, look, remember when we had the boys on? We had Andy Shan and Stephen Casey on, and they both shoot classic, but they shoot it in the man's caliber because your black belt's stupid. They shoot it in forty-five, and I always said if I did get a classic gun, I would get it in nine mil, and I would trick the heck out of it, right? 
Yep. Well, Lorette bought a Spartan, and a Spartan is almost a Trojan, except it has the arms core frame on it. It's finished by STI, and he brought it uh, to the Nationals with him, and he had Andy work on a little bit and do a trigger job and I think install his safeties. He's got some nice blue Visa grips on it and a nice magwell, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could get after this. And I talked to him about the the cost of the parts that he put into the gun, and I was like, oh, it's going to be a long time before I do this. Well, let me put it to you this way. And I don't know if I should say this price on, uh, on the show, but he didn't tell me I couldn't. So a, a, an STI Trojan right now at Freedom Ventures is about $1,700. Jeff Reese from the Calgary Shooting Center, if you don't shop there, you are, in fact, communist, sends me a text the other day and says, do you know anyone uh, who wants to buy a Trojan? Now, I misunderstood his text. I thought he said, do you know anyone who wants to sell a Trojan? And I replied and said, nobody sells their Trojans, Jeff. They <laughs> are, they're, they're just they're the cat's meow. If you have a Trojan, you hold on to it. They've gone way up in price, blah, blah, blah. He says, no, no, go back and read. I said, do you know anyone who wants to buy one? And I said, oh, how much? 600 bucks. I said, well, send me some pictures. So he sent me pictures of basically a mint gun. So for $600, like, I mean, I could sell it tomorrow for 12 No problem. Mm. So why now, wouldn't I buy it? As, as a 1911, how does it compare to uh, a sewing machine manufacturer's <laughs> 1911 or perhaps like a, a, a railroad switched and signal 1911? Would you say it's better, worse, you know? I, I listen. I'm not going to suddenly defend 1911s because I bought one, all right? Like somebody said to me, Trevor, I thought you hated 1911s. I said, yeah, I'm also an atheist, but I have a major, I have a minor in religious studies, all right? Know thy enemy. That's my theory here. I will own the 1911 so that I have, I can speak more educatedly, that's a word. It certainly is. They, yeah, used it on a podcast. Yeah. So it's real. Yeah. So, you know, I, if I want to speak with a certain level of authority about how bad 1911s are, I should own one. And every time it fails or pukes, I can come on the show and talk about how awful it is. And I can say, look, it's not just that I hate them. I own one. Trust me, they're junk. <laughs> think, of it, think of it as research for the show. There you go. <laughs> it'll, it'll make your what I did in guns very lengthy. So I approve. <laughs> Well, and, and that's a good thing because um, you always have been quite quick with the, what you've done in guns. So this will help you flesh out this portion a little bit so that the listeners defense, get to hear more of your voice. And in yeah. my defense, I tried to brush over this. You, you certainly guys, did try. You guys yes. sucked me in. Yep. So on to what I did. Filthy, Filthy and the family of clones were here uh, on Monday and Tuesday. It was awesome. We hung out and did a little bit of gun stuff, uh, just anyway, and tour stuff. But I sent my 308 back to him. He's going to take it to the gunsmith who built my Garand and tuned my M305. Uh, he's the one that checked the chamber with the go, no-go gauges. Well, now he's going to take a cast of the chamber to confirm what we suspect, and that is that the chamber was cut incorrectly and has an oval shape, which is causing the uh, harder Lapua brass to crack. The Winchester brass is very soft, so it's not cracking because it's fire-forming to that oval-shaped uh, chamber. So if, in fact, the chamber is cut oval, what he'll do is um, remove the barrel from the action, cut I don't know how much off the back, whatever he has to, and then cut a new chamber, cut some more threads, and then reinstall the barrel. Currently, the barrel sits at about 22 inches, or exactly 22 inches. If I end up with a 20-inch barrel, so be it. 
I don't have access to a thousand yard range anyway, so whatever. Uh, stiffening the barrel won't be a bad thing. Some people still think I can hit a thousand with the right load over a 308 with a 20 inch barrel. There was only one way to find out, I guess. And then um, this morning, all the guns from SummerSlam that were on the prize table, the restricteds, all those transfers have been initiated. And then I got a package in the mail from my dear friend, Adriel. <laughs> don't ever. You're welcome. No, don't ever ask Adriel for a package. The things that he wrote on the box, I cannot repeat on this family-friendly show. <laughs> the postman just dropped it and ran. It didn't help that I answered the door without a shirt on. I'm sure that didn't help. But uh, well, the only you were wearing pants. I was wearing shorts, <laughs> but they were like cargo shorts. Uh, the only thing that was written on the box that I can say on the air is in certain parts of the box it said for adults only, and I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and then um, right before the show, Snuff Snuffleupagus came by tonight with his 590A1 to have it looked at. Um, the shell stop. There's the interrupter bars and the one on the uh, right side of the shotgun that stops the shell from coming until you cycle the action was uh, not working. That part is worn and damaged and the actual pump rails that go into the action are damaged. He uh, he did something off. He abused it somehow and banged up those parts, but good. So we placed an order with the Calgary Shooting Center, of course, to get some replacement parts and get that done. And that, in a nutshell, is what I've done since last time I was on the show, more or less. So cool. how about you, Adriel? What, you been, what have you been up to? Well, so after having you guys out here, uh, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I kind of think i need to get better at my pistol so i i booked a, a black badge course for september so i kind of want to get into ipsic get a little bit more competitive pistol shooting under my belt so that i can get better at pistol i mean my ultimate game is i i really like three gun for for now uh so my thoughts are that if i can get really great at my pistol it's going to help my three gun game my shotgun is is really competitive uh my rifle is good enough but I really, uh, I really think that the biggest room to gain here is my pistol. Now, after having you guys out and uh, and shooting at my last match here, which which also happened just on Saturday, there was, I did pretty good. There were 37 shooters out, which is about twice as many as we usually have. Usually we have like 20. Well, the, the match in July was like 22, and then for whatever reason the weather was beautiful, and we had 37 people out at my last match here. That's <clears> so, awesome. It is. It is awesome. It made it made for a long day. We planned our our stages for like twenty twenty five people maybe. So when thirty seven people showed up, we thought, okay, well let's let's try and see what happens. And then like midway through the day, it's like, okay, well I don't think this is gonna work, but let's try anyways. Let's let's see. Maybe we'll, maybe we can run them really fast. And uh, I think we finished at like 6 or 6.30 p.m., which if you're doing a shooting day is long because you start at like 8, right? That is a uh, very long day. It was a long, long day. Uh, in terms of my performance, the shotgun was good enough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm running top 3, top 4 kind of thing uh, out of the 37 shooters for that. Um, my pistol, I was really happy to report that my pistol was um, accurate. A little bit slow. Like when I when I watched, uh, we had one shooter out there, Franklin. Uh, he's he's uh, a, a good step above everyone at our range, and he doesn't he doesn't often show up, but he showed up for this one, and he's he's faster on his pistol. But 
I, I was uh, accurate enough, and uh, you know, I think I just need to work on my speed. So I'm actually really happy with that because previously my accuracy wasn't good, and that's where I lost. Just on my mics was 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 uh, killed my matches. Um, I got sixth out of the 70, uh, 37 shooters. That's and really good. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. You know, I uh, I, I could see that the, the shotgun really helped me. Um, I could see that the pistol really helped me from getting really messed over. And uh, lots of pe- lots of people looked at the FNS, and I think w- one of my buddies let let it out of the bag that I had the FNS and I had these uh, uh, forty cal mags uh, because when I showed up, they're like, "Oh yeah, you're there with that cheater gun, aren't you? I'm gonna make some stages next time that are gonna screw you over." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a it was a lot of it was a long, yeah, long day. I got a I got a really good tan going now because I was out on the shotgun for a little bit too long, and uh, yeah. So oh, come on, nothing, nothing beat the eight hours of gopher hunting. I, <laughs> I, I still have epic farmer tan lines. Uh, yeah, well, over the year here, I've got a, I got a pretty good tan base going on, at least, at least for my neck. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really fun match. A uh, lot of guys out, and it, that's really encouraging. You know, I think, I think three gun, you know, shotgun, rifle, pistol. It's, it's got a little bit of everything. And if you're weak in one, but you can make up in the other ones, you know you'll you'll end up not so bad. And I think the the uh, the thing that you learn from it is that there's there's so there's so much to learn. So I'd really like I really like seeing like 37 shooters out out there, and I really like to see um, you know that it's starting to gain in popularity. I'd I'd love if more uh, places in Canada took up the. Uh, Oh, three gun nation rule set, for example, or or like registered them as those official clubs because there's not there's not really a lot up here. I know like it's 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 a lot more popular in the states. There's not really a lot out here. There's some there's a club in Calgary that I think that does it. There's the club in Edmonton. There's another club in Edmonton, uh, the Wild Rose uh, shooting uh, guys, and they're they're out of a club right now, so they're kind of like uh, a club with no home and. Uh, that's it. Like I, I don't know any other three gun uh, sports we, uh, in here in Albert, Alberta. Sorry, at the Rescuers Gun Club, we run the USPSA multi gun rules, um, simply because they're the closest to IPSC, and that's what most of us are familiar with, because IPSC is our primary shooting game out here. Um, the rule book's pretty short. It's pretty simple. The reason why we went to the USPSA rules is because they cover specifically the rules surrounding transitioning from one firearm to the other and the definition of an abandoned firearm and the state that it has to be in if you're ever going to go down range of it, that sort of thing. And it just keeps everybody on the same page, safe, cut and dry. Yeah, exactly. I like some of the so uh, USPSA rules. They've got do they have ABC zones on targets on, on paper targets? Yes, they don't do the uh, like the three gun nation target is just like a two red hits on target. Or a, two yeah. hits doesn't matter where on two on hits. paper. Yeah, yeah. So what we do is we use the IPSC scoring program with IPSC scoring zone targets, but we run the USPSA rules specifically for the rules surrounding again the transition between firearms. So that if somebody does something stupid, there's a rule there that you can attach to the disqualification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like uh, for, for example, they also they also say that a, a firearm is not abandoned unless you move more than a meter away from it. So we had this one stage once where you were um, on the ground, 
shooting your shotgun through a port, and then there was a barrel next to the port. So most people assume the barrel was for you to put your shotgun in. So they shoot their shotgun, then stand up, put the barrel shotgun in the barrel, then go back down, draw their pistol, and shoot the paper targets. Matthew and I just stuck the shotgun through the port, shot the steel, put the safety on the shotgun, laid it in the port in front of us, drew our pistol, and shot the paper of those standing up. And people are like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, can't I? You say I can't do it because you didn't think of it. But <laughs> it wasn't abandoned because it was within a meter. And never at one time did we handle two guns at the same time. So, yeah, we can totally do it. Mm-hmm. Gamers. Yeah. yeah, there's there's some there's some, you know, the, the rules that sets that, uh, that you pick. I think it depends on your club. I mean, for our club, we need something that's quick to score and something that's easy. And yeah, I think well, the, the quick to score, as I said to you today, practice score is the standard. You can the only thing is you got to figure out how to synchronize all the tablets together. And I, if you don't have Wi-Fi, you need to dedicate something as a Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi hotspot. And that's way above my pay grade. We tried it once with Tom. And I don't know. Did we ever get it to work, Matthew? I don't remember. I don't think I we think did. I think he just kept track of it on his phone. The rest of us didn't have it on ours. So he, he did score it on his phone. But, uh, but yeah, we, did, he, we didn't have multiple devices going. Oh, we didn't. Mm. I thought we did that time. We tried it once, Mark Drew and I as well, and it wasn't without its challenges. But it's anything that is new is going to take some getting used to. But and you got to take the time to learn it. I'm yeah. happy using the paper. But um, the thing about practice score, Adriel, is when the match is done, the scores are ready, so you have instant results. And if you have a Wi-Fi, you can upload them to practice score's website as well. Mm. Well, the the nice thing about having 37 shooters is. <laughs> Like I was, I'm admin for our uh, for our, our league, and because there was so much time between like me shooting, I I updated the scores as I went along. I was done the scores uh, like two minutes after the final shooter had shot, so <laughs> I had everything. I'm just using Google Docs and a Google Sheet kind of a thing, but um, I think I, I'm going to look into that practice score because I want to I want to be able to have us record it on the tablet itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of the time people, you know, just by writing and and yelling at each other, they sometimes they write down the wrong score and uh, or the wrong time. And I'd like mm-hmm. to and and they've got to calculate like 15 second misses, 20 second no shoots, and and you know yeah, it's with practice score. Um, the shooter after okay, so there's somebody calling the scores, mm-hmm. and then the scorekeeper is inputting them into the tablet, and then he shows the final score to the to the shooter so the shooter confirms the x number of a's c's and penalties and the time and if the shooter is satisfied clicking save is the equivalent of scoring of uh, signing your score sheet mm-hmm. so when the shooter hits save it's the same as the shooter signing the score sheet and that's it she's a done deal after that there's no too bad so sad now the practice score works so well that it was actually utilized by Halifax at the Nationals this year. So they ran a paper copy backup for the competitor to have a stub, but everything was being done on the fly with practice score at the at the Canadian Nationals. So that's how far it's come. It's very reliable. So uh, like we, we we don't do shooter signing score sheets or anything like that, but uh, what what if someone uh what if someone like the 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 timekeeper yells out a time that is ridiculously short and can't possibly be done and it gets recorded? Because this happened at our match. Then the RO should have ordered a reshoot. 
but you're not following any set rules. So you don't have the, you're not familiar with the procedures for how to fix that. Mm-hmm. All right. You don't have, you're not, you're not a bunch of trained three gun shooters that have taken some kind of RO course like we have in, in Ipsic, right? Who's going to RO? Like it's like you're just making it up on the fly. It's, it's, it's outlaw three gun. When we have three gun, it's still being officiated by trained IPSEC ROs, and they mm. know how to handle situations like that. If the run should have taken 30 seconds and the guy looks at the timer and it says 13, well, there's a malfunction, and he orders a reshoot, and the competitor either takes the reshoot or is given a zero for the stage. Mm-hmm. So if you start following um, USPSA multi-gun rules, all those what-if happens are in there. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing IPSC, and I think what I'm gonna try to do is take some of that uh, some of that rigor and try to apply it to our club because we did have uh, we did have one shooter uh, clock in a 24 on a stage that the best shooter uh, ran like a 37 on and ran a clean, nice, quick stage. So um, the timer wasn't picking up all the shots, and you can look at the timer and go, wait a second, there are only 15 shots here when it's a minimum 28 shot course of fire reshoot. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a case of someone reading something backwards because uh, yeah, they like hit a the twenty-four and a forty-two. Like a forty-two makes way more sense when your best shooter is shooting a shooting a thirty-seven, and someone picks up a forty-two instead of a twenty-four. Yeah, someone transposing numbers like that is easy to do, and that's why uh, you, you have multiple people verifying scores and stuff, especially at at a, at a major level event. Well, I wouldn't consider the. Uh, I wouldn't consider our, our league a, a major three. Exactly, and that's why you don't have people verifying your scores and stuff. And that's cool. I mean, you guys are and having fun, and, and that's exactly. great. So as long as everybody's exactly. out there having fun, nobody's you know getting their panties in a knot because you know so yeah. and so won because their their scores got inputted wrong. You know, you guys are all having fun. No big deal. Carry on. As long as you have your safety rules in place, phew, have at her. You know, well, and if you, you want to improve from there, that's your you know carry on at, at that at the level that you're willing to do that at. Like it's it doesn't it doesn't matter, but the person who got that really low score happened to be my buddy, and I happened to record his shoot, and then I happened to play it back for him, <laughs> and it was, clearly wasn't twenty four seconds. Right. Well, the same thing happened to me last I, year. Where I get thrown under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, same thing happened to me last year, where the RO was holding the timer next to my pump shotgun when I unloaded it. And it picked up all those racks on the timer, and that's oh. the time he gave me, and it cost me the match. And we saw it later on in the video. Yep. But whatever. Yeah. Muffin got a title. Good for Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not bitter at all about that. No, I'm no. very bitter. What else did you do, Adriel? <laughs> okay, that was three guns. So the, the FNS ran flawlessly. My shotgun ran flawlessly. My rifle ran flawlessly. And, like Accuracy was good. The misses were very, like I missed one clam my shotgun. I'm really happy with my accuracy. Uh, my I think I need to now get faster my pistol. So that's why I'm taking the black badge course. Black badge course. I'm gonna do some more epic. Um, other than that, I've been uh, I've been doing a bunch of other weird stuff. So I've I've been getting into more 3D printing. I found a trigger. So if you if you put the apex D, the oh what is it the competition I don't know what is DCAK the competition trigger that they have for it, um, it leaves a whole bunch of pre-travel on the trigger. And you've got this hinge trigger. You hinge the trigger. You pull it. And I, I think I measured it. I think I measured it was like 4.6 millimeters, something something around there, of just em- like dead space. The trigger's not doing anything. It's got lots of room before it gets even close to that sear. 
And I found someone on Thingiverse who had a, a trigger designed to use more of that pre-travel, not all of it, but more of it, and uh, uh, was a lot stiffer. It's a wide, stiff, light plastic trigger because with 3D printing, you can do all these like weird waffle patterns and honeycomb patterns inside of a, a plastic shell to make them really light. And uh, I ended up with a, a stiffer, lighter trigger that works better with that that forward sets here that now cuts it down to two millimeters. So there's two millimeters of pre-travel, which is a lot better than it was before. So now I've basically replaced this hinged uh, kind of spongy trigger with this stiff, uh, well, the trigger piece at least. I mean, the sear the still has a little bit of give to it. It's it's not like a glass rod or anything by, by any means. Uh, but it is a lot stiffer and it's got a better feel to it because it's this nice, wide... Uh, really stiff trigger, and uh, it, it feels great. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's a real plus. I'm going to try printing one of those in ABS and then sending along. I, I know who I'm selling my pistol to, so I'm going to get them to try it out, and uh, well, I'll, I'll make sure it's safe before sending along with them, I guess. <laughs> um, I also uh, submitted a, a 3D-printed gun part to Thingiverse. If you want to see what that one is, uh, just go ahead on, like, if you're into 3D printing and that kind of thing, go on Thingiverse and search Adriel Michaud. I'm just my name. Uh, you can check it out there. Some people commented that uh, it would be illegal in the U.S. if you were to put that on a, on a uh, firearm, but it it's legal in Canada, so you'll have to see if, if you want to. Uh, and then finally... <laughs> I bought a teacup. I don't know if we want it. I don't know if he's allowed to say what it is. If it is what it's I think it is. It's a kind of foregrip. It's a kind of foregrip. It's a kind of foregrip. Yeah, that, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, search that at your own discretion, ladies and gentlemen. Just uh, wanted to say. Yep. Uh, and then I, uh, I, I bought a Tika T3. So if you remember, I had... Uh, I had asked the, the listeners of the show, hey, go vote on this thing and, and tell me what kind of gun I should get for the hunting season. And the winner, and it wasn't by a, a large margin, but it was a significant margin. The winner was a Tika. So I got a Tika T3 from Elwood Epps. They had uh, some, uh, some they had an inexpensive 30-odd 6. I don't think I've hunted with a 30-odd 6 other than my N1 Grand. So I'm going to have to reload some ammo and uh, and take it out. And cool. uh, I think the scope I'm going to have to use for that is... Oh, just open sights. Don't even, in fact, don't even worry about it. Just kind of look down the barrel. It'll be down fine. Down the barrel? Yeah, nice. just, just sight yeah. down the barrel. You'll be cool. It might work in New <laughs> Brunswick, but out here I might need a little bit more than that. You I've just got... need to practice more. <laughs> I've got a red dot. I think I might use my Cytron 6-24, to though, just because it would be really ridiculous, and it's so clear. So I'm going to yeah. try that on that Tika. That'd be cool. Uh, that's that's all I did in guns this week. Uh, Kelly, what oh, that's you? it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> An hour is, between the two of us. This is going to be what we did in guns, main topic, listener feedback, and we're out. <laughs> we should warn the listeners to go get a snack. I guess. Yes. <laughs> we are Toby, gone. if you're listening, you're going to need a full case. Six we're going to need an cut. intermission here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Kelly. All right. So... I didn't actually go to the range this uh, this week. Uh, you know. Thanks, Kelly. I, Let's move on to. Uh, oh, <laughs> hey, wait, I did no. a little bit. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ontario has been in a drought. We haven't had rain for like two months, and it all came last weekend. So I wasn't able to get to the range. But 
one of the cool things that we did do is we went out in the pouring rain and we checked out a Sherman tank. It was awesome. A Sherman? A Sherman. Did That's you shoot it? That's my father's favorite tank. That's awesome. Where was this thing? Did I at? shoot it? <laughs> so uh, there's uh, there's an association uh, of guys, uh, actually, uh, Ryan Harriman from SFRC, he belongs yes. to this association. They uh, collect all kinds of deactivated and different things from the military, right? So you're talking about deuce and a half, and you're talking about Enfield uh, motorcycles and different things. And somebody had a Sherman tank. Anyways, so they had to get together a, at a town about, I don't know, about five or ten minutes from Kingston. And, uh, yeah, we went out on the Sunday in the pouring rain and checked this out. Most most of the stuff was packed up because, again, it was pouring rain and people weren't going. But, uh, yeah, we had a chance to check it out. It was awesome. Got my picture taken with it. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about tanks. Can I talk about the air show? No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know where you are going with that. I had to just cut you off right away. But then you said air show, and now I'm in. F-18 mm. Super Hornets are my new favorite thing. <laughs> they are so cool, There's aren't pictures. they? There's pictures. Yeah. Yes. That's cool, um, Kelly. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, what else did I do? Oh, I, uh, yeah. So I'm going to Ohio in a couple of weeks. You guys knew that, right? Yep. Sure. Okay. So anyways, I had to put in my Form 6 because my Form 6 from uh, back in March did not have my Glock on it. And I want to open carry in Ohio. So I had to nice. do that. Awesome. Yeah. ATF Excellent. are usually pretty good about turnaround times, but they haven't mm-hmm. been lately. So I'm wondering, I'm hoping that it gets back in time. So I emailed them with it. So hoping that it'd be quicker, but I'm not I sure. I got one once within 24 hours. I called them and I was like, oh, I forgot to add this and I'm leaving in like three days and boom, it was back. Yeah, I actually included that into my email, but I don't know. I'm going to call them tomorrow, see if uh, I can speed it up at all. At all. So Cool. Yeah. Well, that reminds me, we have but, to have we have to have Brian on. Brian saved somebody's life. Yeah. In case you, did you guys know that? Brian, yeah, Brian Sheets from Valkyrie Defense. Oh yeah, the, I did. I, I only heard very little about that. Can can you he, tell us a bit more? He literally saved a man's life with a tourniquet. He was leaving the range after bullseye practice, and he was just like seconds from pulling out, and a guy ran out waving his arms. Brian thought that he forgot something. He's like, so and so shot himself. We need you now. So he went in. The guy was already sitting down. There was some argument about whether or not the pants were going to come off because the gentleman wasn't wearing underwear. <laughs> Brian's like, I don't care. Anyway, Brian they sees They didn't the come en- off. No, they Sorry. didn't come off. Brian sees the entry, and he starts putting pressure on it. And then all of a sudden, they look down. There's a puddle of blood on the floor. And uh, he wasn't even done his primary assessment yet when they found all the blood and then saw the guy's sock looked a little funny. When they moved the sock, just as the guy's heart beat, and it acted just like an arterial just squirted out all over him at the, i think at this point his wife called and said are you gonna are you hurrying up already because he was on his way to his birthday party he's like somebody shot themselves i'm gonna be late and she's like yeah whatever click and she hangs up <laughs> so he goes back to work on the guy and anyway he put this uh, it looked like an arterial bleed he and he, i think he found out later on that it actually wasn't they thought it had nicked it or whatever. I'd have to – well, he'll, I'll let him tell the full story. But anyway, he put this tourniquet on there, and he said, Trev, man, one more twist, and it was going to break. That's how much pressure he had to put on this tourniquet to get the blood to stop. He got the blood to stop. Paramedics were happy that he used a tourniquet, thanked him for doing it, and they got him out of there and brought him to surgery. And basically, like, Brian stopped this guy from bleeding out. If he wouldn't have had his trauma bag, it was – I think it was like five minutes after Brian was done working on him, the paramedics rolled up. That's how long the response time was. 
And the thing is, nobody else had a kit. No, and, was... and our range is no better. I talked to Pia Luke yeah. about this. We have a gun club, and what do we have? We've got the scratch and dent, sunburn, bruised your elbow, first aid kit. What's the worst thing that could happen at a gun range? A you gunshot sh- wound. Yeah. yeah. So you should you have the first aid kit appropriate for that? Anyway, it's gonna. So hopefully this story spreads and gun clubs get their act together and start having tourniquets and compresses on site and none of these shoppers drug mart nineteen dollar first aid kits. That, and P, uh, Pierre Luke, who bought some of these kits, said he went in one one day. He cut his finger at the range and he was having a hard time to find a band aid. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, crazy the, the the level of 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 the gear that's in some of these dollar store and and shoppers drug mart uh, first aid kits. That you get like a couple rolls of tape and some gauze and some sterile like gloves and a tweezers. It's like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, I noticed that SummerSlam somebody had a proper trauma kit in the camp, which was awesome. But next next year, Matthew, you and I will each have our own, like like Jason and Brian have. They keep it. one with them at either end of the line. It makes perfect sense. Yep, yeah, so we'll totally have him on. We'll find out what are in these things. I mean, we had him and Ken on. Well, we had Ken and who else on before? Maybe him and Jason. And we talked about trauma bags for the vehicle and stuff. We've got to revisit this and, mm-hmm. and get organized. Sorry, Kelly. No, no, it's absolutely true. We There was a recently a concert here in Kingston, Ontario. Anyways, on Saturday night. And when we went, we brought our trauma bag. Nice. We did. Awesome gathering with 25,000 people in there, you never know what's going to happen, right? That's right. Exactly. Only one person got arrested for drunk and disorderly. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't you. Or was it? No. No, it wasn't. It might have yeah. been. <laughs> Alright. So, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, to Brian because he did save somebody's life. So, that was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Pretty cool. Uh, so, back to what I was doing in guns. We're Fast and Furiously planning the uh, ladies' shoot that's going to be happening at the Napanee Gun Range on the 17th of September. Um, yeah, I'm going to be bringing my guns, and I'm going to be donating some targets that were left over from the charity shoot as well so that the ladies can try those out. And the other thing is I also got some friends to sign up for it as well. So just spreading, you know, the knowledge and getting some ladies interested in shooting. So that was, that was pretty good. And what else? I'm prepping for Ohio as well. So, you know, doing the line commands, reviewing those and everything because they're a little bit different than most people are used to. And I got some really, 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 really cool stuff from Adriel. So I just wanted to say thank you to Adriel too because not only did it get like um, dummy round for 223 dummy round, I got match saver, I got an AR-15 pistol grip, I got, hey, Wonder Woman stuff. Like, so cool. The buckle. I'm gonna spray paint it gold, and I'm. I'll take pictures. Yeah. Don't don't think you're all of that in a bag of chips, Adriel. I bought her Wonder Woman stuff on vacation as well. <laughs> so don't don't. Yeah, just saying. I sent I'll you some it, stuff, Trevor. Come on, don't feel you, jealous. Yeah, in a box that had adult toy stuff labeled all over it. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, that was bag. awesome. Mine I got one. Labeled- Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying we're competing here. Everything's yeah. competition. I have Wonder Woman stuff for you, too. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me. You're quite welcome. I bought something for you, and I bought something for Filthy, and that's it. I I think of you, too, Kelly, but I don't put a value on it with dollars. Matthew, Matthew, I got something for you, too, actually, Matthew. I got you this cool keychain thing that says I'd rather be flying. Hey, very nice. Adriel, I'm sending you a bag of 
Yeah, you're getting a big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's everything that I did with guns this week. So, yeah. Awesome. Let's go on to the upcoming events then. Do we want uh, to just uh, talk about the last one because we're running really long in the tooth this yes, week? Yes, let's do that. And and, uh, and then concur. maybe yeah, and then carry on with with what's next. Well, if people want to know what upcoming events are coming on, just listen to last week's show or listen to next week's show. Just not this week. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, the handgun fundamentals one and two, July fifteenth and sixteenth, twenty seventeen in Alberta. Send an email if you want to sign up. Uh, the next one here we have is the caps with Dave Young. Use of force, two-day, 70% theory, 30% practical. Uh, then uh, when to shoot more than the how to shoot. Uh, they'll have the video simulator with live ammo, which you're going to learn about a little bit more uh, during our main topic. Yeah, uh, you'll, you'll, week, yeah. There, there's a lot more coming up about that real soon here. Um, I, I do want to talk about the, the, the course that Trevor and I are putting on in Alberta next year. We're pretty much, we're, we're about halfway full. Uh, the list is, is about halfway. If you want in on this, you better email soon. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be on a waiting list. Just wanted to let listeners know. <laughs> Who else gets a course booked one year in year advance? In advance. <laughs> it's like it's almost as popular as SummerSlam. Um, coming back to the to the upcoming event, caps the course with Dave Young, um, October fifteenth, sixteenth. Course is two days. It's part classroom. Part practical shooting on the range, four hundred dollars per person, and yes, the rest of the details are in our upcoming event section. You know, our main topic section. There we go. Uh, we've got one of these here from Jason. We haven't read one for a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and rip through it real quick here. The Alberta Provincial Championships were held this past weekend at Shot Shell Sporting Clays in Valley View, Alberta. This is for sp- yeah, Sporting Clays. Uh, many thanks to Colin and uh, Leona Dixon, who did a superb job of hosting this prestigious event that went as smoothly as any event ever has. Fantastic targets were presented in a prelim five-stand two-day main event. Congrats to Carl Brewster and Wayne Norton for winning the prelim and five-stand events, respectively. Both of them fought hard to win by shootout. And congratulations to Hunter Brewster for winning the Alberta Provincial Championship. This is a new record as Hunter is now the younger, youngest person to win an Alberta Provincial Championship. Sorry, Eric, you were four months older than Hunter when you won it. The new stats, rankings, and shooting, shoot results have been posted on the website. Please check the site before your next shoot to make sure you know which class you're going into. So that was the uh, Sporting Clays Championship, and that was sent in by Jason Phil. Uh, next, I think for the news, we can uh, we can probably skip it just because we're going along here and head on into the main topic with Dave Young. Joining us this week for our main topic, we have Dave Young from CAPS. Dave is a Canadian firearms instructor who does all kinds of different training at all kinds of different levels. And um, we are looking forward to hopefully working with Dave in the not-so-distant future. Uh, Dave, welcome to Slamfire Radio. Thanks. It's nice to be here. It's nice to finally meet you or have you on. You and I met finally in person after chatting online back and forth for all probably at least two years off and on. Um, it was nice to finally meet you this past June at the CCFR AGM. Yes, it's nice to always speak in person, yes. Yeah, definitely. So it was at that time that we got talking about uh, you being our next course. Um, I mentioned to you at the time that Slamfire Radio organizes a training course just about every year now for three, four years at the Rescue Gun Club. We've had instructors from the United States come up. And as you know, I've been to MAG40 
but we've never had a Canadian uh, instructor of your caliber, that's for sure, come work with us. So why don't we get uh, a little introduction from you? Who is Dave Young? How long have you been shooting and kind of what got you into shooting and then how that led into the training world? Well, it's uh, a long and involved story, but we'll, we'll touch on the highlights. Uh, I started back with an air pistol with my dad back in the 60s and uh, got into hunting uh, through his efforts. Not really that he was a hunter, but he was the kind of a dad that would say, well, you know what, this guy here who's a friend of mine's a hunter, so why don't you go with him? And uh, so he, he sort of promoted me to get into this stuff. Uh, in the 80s, I got into handguns, but uh, as you've uh, seen from speaking to me, I don't do anything halfway, so <laughs> I went from getting into handguns in the 80s to becoming a competitive shooter and then getting into things like the second chance combat shoot that I went to from 85 to 97 and I got into action shooting and helped set up the Canadian Action Shooting Association and shot the Bianchi Cup for three years in the 80s and I got into IPSC uh, back before you actually needed to have a black badge in order to get into IPSC. In fact, the black badge course that I took, I actually co-taught then uh, I became an IPSC uh, section coordinator in the 90s and ended up being vice president of the Quebec Shooting Federation in the 90s for a while while we were fighting Bill C-68. But uh, once that got passed, uh, things moved squarely away uh, with the Quebec Shooting Federation, and many of us left at that point. Uh, started teaching in 87 with the uh, first FAT system to ever come into Canada at a technical college here in Quebec, and the FAT system was the first video-based system that worked with laser guns and is teaching security officers and police agencies as well as civilians. My idea has always been uh, that anybody should have the knowledge necessary to be able to use a firearm to defend themselves, whether the government allows them to carry a gun or to use a gun for self-defense, that's neither here nor there. But without the proper knowledge and training, uh, that's a, a negative for all gun owners, that people don't know what they can and can't do. And anytime they screw up, uh, the government decides there's another reason for us to all be disarmed. So that, that's been from day one my way of doing things. In the province of Quebec here, based on being a black badge instructor and an ISU level one instructor, that was enough in the 80s to become a uh, permit to carry instructor, what we call now an ATC. And so I started training people for their permits to carry back in 87 at the same time as I had this uh, fat simulator. Uh, while using that machine, I decided that, you know what, it's really nice as a video game, but it doesn't really show anybody what they can do with real bullets. So I decided, I, I started thinking about building my own system, which would be a live fire system. And the best way to describe it would be the marriage between a DVD player and a range timer. So, it's, and our motto of the company that I founded in 1992 is very simple. It's your gun, your ammo, no excuses. Can you do what you have to do when it's necessary to do so with what you actually carry? or keep for self-defense. So that's where we got to now. Uh, since I started building these machines, uh, I've gotten involved with other uh, uh, places as well. I was an adjunct instructor at Smith & Wesson for about 11 years, and I'm currently a, an adjunct at Sig Sauer Academy, um, teaching uh, use of force, more of the, the when than the, than the how. Uh, one of the things that bothers me a lot is that we've got people who want to know all of the high-speed, low-drag SWAT ninja moves, but care little about knowing when those are needed <laughs> and yeah. that's that's always been an issue with me and this uh, is i've got this... over 100 of these uh, simulators that i've built uh, around the world now 
And uh, there's a, at least a dozen uh, officers or agencies that credit the training that I've supplied or created with saving actual lives in confrontations. So that makes me sleep well at night. Outstanding. Um, yeah, in uh, 91, I wrote a book called uh, Reasonable and Necessary, Defense of Firearms Ownership and Use in Canada, uh, and re, uh, redid it in 1994, and then after that gave up on rewriting it because uh, the rules changed so quickly that it's impossible to keep up to date with it. But a lot of the information that's in there goes into the courses that I still teach today. Um, I've been f- uh, certifying firearms instructors since 2006 for the armored car industry, as well as uh, doing the armored car people. I did all of the Brinks training here in Quebec for 11 years, and still am involved a little bit with their instructor training. And uh, that's basically where we're at right now. I've also been involved in, in the motion picture industry doing uh, uh, firearms on movie sets. Got about 45 credits in that. Uh, wrote the norms for using firearms on movie sets in the province of Quebec uh, back in the uh, 90s. And uh, mo- most recently, I hadn't been doing that in a while, I just finished up working as the law enforcement advisor on the, the TV series Quantico, which have now moved back to the States for next year. But uh, I spent the year working on that as an advisor. Lots of fun. Uh, so, and the courses that I'm teaching now, I, I've been teaching them for quite a long time until uh, we ran into problems with the chief firearms officer a couple of years ago when they finally woke up and said, hey, we don't want civilians having that type of information. And letting the, the clubs know here in Quebec that uh, if they allowed my live fire simulator to be used as an unapproved target, that that would be going against the uh, legislation that allows clubs to operate and they would lose their permits. So I happen to have a uh, prototype machine that works with lasers using non-guns, which are not under the control of the CFO, and I've now modified my classes so the live fire course is basically a practical shooting course, and anything to do with use of force is taught outside of ranges and outside of their control. So that's the the two courses that I'm offering now. Uh, One of them is called Use of Force, and the other one is called Practical Shooting 101. But by the time you finish both of those, you are as competent and as certified as anyone that the government allows to carry a firearm on the street with a permit. So the Quebec government has brought you back to where you started. You went from lasers to bullets, now back to lasers? Exactly, yeah. And I sort of had to swallow it a little bit because my my way of looking at things was always when I was selling our system was that laser guns are for little green men in video arcades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess I'm back to little green men again. Yeah. So the name of the two courses, again, are Use of Force and Practical Shooting 101? That's correct, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Practical okay. Shooting 101 requires a range, and the Use of Force course, we uh, won't even hold it at a range complex. We want it to be somewhere completely different. Okay. So Just because, what, uh, as everyone knows, the, the CFOs are drinking buddies, and uh, what's good for one province will be good for the other as soon as they hear about it. So we don't want to be going around and saying, oh, why don't you come and do it in Ontario or New Brunswick? We wouldn't have a problem like that just to find out that you do have a problem like that. You know. Mm. Yeah, well, we're pretty fortunate right now in New Brunswick. We have a very reasonable uh, CFO. His kind of uh, his attitude is, if it's not in the Firearms Act, I'm not going to make it up. Right. So, well, that's very nice. That's, that's yeah, very, it is. Very yeah. Good. So the, yeah, the thing, I, I still offer the live fire course, uh, the two day live fire course, but you'd have to go down to Sig Sauer Academy to take it. Or New Brunswick. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we uh, haven't made the decision yet as to which way we want to go. If you would like well, to run it live and uh, won't have a problem, yeah, we would uh, we would give it a try. I, well, I'm, I just, t- I'm really reticent to, to try and get anybody set up into a situation where they uh, they decide to say, well, your club is is doing something that we don't like. 
you know? Right. Well, uh, we I'll tell you to what extent it is here uh, with, uh, with our CFO. In my book, Reasonable and Necessary, I have a letter that was written to my wife by Kim Campbell, who at the time had just authored the storage norms. And the, uh, her interpretation was that under Section 34 of the Criminal Code, which is the part dealing with, uh, with self-defense, that if you were justified in using a firearm for self-defense, that uh, justification would extend to the fact that you had a gun in possession and loaded and discharged it in a place where you normally would not be able to do so. Well, the chief firearms officer here at the meeting that I had with them in the early part of 2015 made it very clear that that's not their interpretation and they don't care what Parliament says. If you take a restricted weapon out of storage and load it for self-defense without having an ATC, they will charge you. Oh, yeah. They made that public. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yep, they, so they, that, that's they, just for you. And, and, and as you know, Trevor, I'm, I really want to avoid being a problem. I'm yep. part of the solution. Yes, of course. <laughs> and so I really don't want to end up going to some place and hear, oh, well, XYZ Club in, in uh, some place is now uh, in danger of losing their permit because they tried to give civilians the knowledge they need to not end up losing their livelihoods or their, uh, their freedom. Right. Well, well, we'll come back to that later on. But for now, the part that I want to touch on is the thing that has drawn us to your class, and that is your emphasis on the when as much as or more than the how. Um, in Masada Yub's uh, course, MAG40, we spend 20 hours on the civilian use of a firearm in a self-defense situation, and it's all about when, not how. Exactly. How happens on the range. And, and just about anybody, you can ask Matthew and I, since we're teaching now, just about anybody can teach you how to shoot a gun. But when to shoot a gun is, is an area that's very much lacking in Canada. And yes. you're you're at the frontier of that, and I mean, you. I don't know if you want to be if you want to hear this or not, but you are often referred to as Canada's Masada Yub, and I mean, I don't like to to use that term either because it's not fair to you because you bring things to the table that Masada Yub doesn't bring. I know when people say it, they're saying it with the utmost respect, but I think what they mean is you're the guy in Canada that can teach you the how, but can also teach you the when. So, right. Well, I appreciate the comparison. I've had a funny relationship with Mossad. We've been friends for years and years and years. In fact, my daughter, who's just turned, uh, is just about to turn 24, uh, Mass was one of the people who sponsored a baby shower for uh, my wife <laughs> at Second Chance in Michigan the year that we were down there when my wife was pregnant with her. So uh, there's been a pretty close relationship. In fact, there's been a couple of cases that have happened up here in Quebec where he was called up as an expert witness, and his first question was, how come they didn't call you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, because so, they won't allow you to grow the way that mass has been allowed to grow. Well, exactly, and the thing is, if a civilian from, from uh, Quebec was to testify as to wrongdoing of a police agency, uh, that would make them look all the worse, rather than bringing up a law enforcement uh, expert from the United States, where exactly. everyone knows they're better trained, exactly. you know, co as common knowledge though it is not true in most instances. So, Dave, why don't we jump into the use of force and Practical Shooting 101, and maybe you can give us a, a comparison and contrast of those two courses. Yeah, sure. Uh, basically, the, the, uh, the use of force, the two-day program, is 70% theory and 30% practical decision-making on the simulator. So what we'll do is we'll actually demonstrate the stuff that we're, we're giving you as, uh, as examples of what to do and what not to do and show you what the things are that come into play in a defensive situation. Uh, so you 
get theory and lots of it because uh, I, I can go over some of the topics that we do cover in the class. Sure. Uh, but it's everything from, from choices of, of firearms and ammunition, uh, proper storage so that you're not breaking the law, uh, the need for self-defense, the right to self-defense, uh, what the uh, respect is for the police and what their, uh, what their uh, involvement is in any of these situations. Uh, the five keys to supporting your self-defense claim, uh, defensive mindset, what the four uh, outcomes are of any confrontation, the four potential ones. What about shooting to wound, warning shots, uh, all of this stuff. Uh, the uh, effectiveness of handgun ammunition and why multiple shots are necessary should you be using a handgun. Uh, risks of overpenetration, how to find legal representation, uh, the need for having self-defense training. Uh, things such as, well, I'm a, I'm a, a, a master class IPSC shooter. That should be more than enough. Well, no. Uh, Masad and I used to uh, have these mock evenings just for fun where I'd be trying to defend myself as an IPSC shooter who had been involved in a shooting. And so he would come up with, isn't it true that on weekends you run around and shoot at targets as fast as you can, moving forward towards them in a very aggressive, uh, very aggressive fast-paced uh, assault on them. And that's basically what IPSC is. When's the last time that you retreated in an IPSC match while firing? Uh, yeah. All, all, all of these things come into play. So this is, this is the kind of stuff that, that, that we need to cover. Uh, then things such as authorization to carry. There are permits given for ATCs in Canada, but you'd be amazed at what gets involved with that kind of stuff. You know, permits given for three months until you prove again that the four people who have uh, been the, re the reason that you've had four police reports to back up your claim that your life is in danger are still putting your life in danger three months later. The idea that you'd get an ATC that would last three years is almost impossible to get. Uh, issues of concealed carry. How do you identify yourself and not get shot by whoever's responding, whether you're carrying legally in the United States or here legally? Uh, then we get into the legalities of the use of force. What is justified use of force? What are the jury instructions that are given in a self-defense case here in Canada? So that you can understand how they are going to look at it through the, what magnifying glass you will be examined under, what reaction time is all about, how close is too close. Uh, then we get into use of force models. I've come up with a use of force model that uh, has been uh, from me doing nothing but uh, in being involved in simulations for years and years that is called the imminent danger triangle, which is extremely easy to explain uh, for anybody who's going to be facing a jury of your peers uh, to be able to explain why you did what you did. And that brings us to the perception of what's going on and how you articulate what actually happened. And then we get into the four, uh, the four levels of uh, skill acquisition, three different levels of firearms training, uh, how to defend yourself at home. Then we get into lights, uh, steps in incapacitation of lethal threats, states of mind, tactical thinking, uh, your natural reactions to stress, protective measures, what to do after a shooting, what rules of survival are involved in a confrontation, uh, tactical errors to avoid. Then we get into what firearms qualification standards are all about. And then we get you onto the machine and have you face scenarios where you and your fellow classmates are judge and jury for each other. So you'll learn as much from the good points or the bad points of each individual who's in the class with you as you will from you actually firing or not firing at the screen. And then wow. we sum it all up with what is reasonable self-defense. So that's okay. basically what the content is for the use of force force. So that one, that one does not involve any live fire. That's the theory and then the laser training. 
Exactly. Well, it would okay. be it would be live fire should the range allow it to be. We would okay. be you know moving back and forth from the range back into the classroom and vice sure. versa. When I do it in the classroom, the simulator being a laser based machine, uh, we have a non firearm that you pull the trigger on in order to get hits on the screen and hear a gunshot when you fire. Uh, but we've set that right up in the classroom so we can go, you know, just turn your seats around and look the other way and then come back to the PowerPoint, you know? Okay. So you, you can accommodate live fire or simulation. But yes, that's what, right. that's how the machine was designed. As I say, the machine we're using for teaching this was a, was a, a prototype that I came, ac- uh, uh, I came to build because some agencies were interested in purchasing our live fire machine, but since there were people who uh, rented a range, they wanted to be able to set it up in the roll call room and be able to do j- strictly judgment with uh, something other than projectiles so they could practice year-long uh, in between their uh, biannual uh, trips to the range. Okay. So that's, that's why we decided to do that. But we came up with something that was going to be double the price, so it wasn't worth doing. Right. Now, but that prototype the... is what I'm using for the, for the civilian classes where I can't use live fire. Okay. Now, the live fire component, does it require an indoor range so that you can set up a projector, or can it still be done on an outdoor range? It needs to be done. If we're doing it on an outdoor range, we use a tent. We'll set that up in the tent, and we'll be actually firing through the back part of the tent into the berm, okay. and uh, that, gives us enough, uh, that gives us enough darkness. Perfect. Think drive-in movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? yep. Excellent. We either do it at night, or we're going to be doing it in a tent. Okay. Very good. But we use um, this thing... Uh, uh, at things like the National Patrol Rifle uh, Conference and Competition in Detroit every year, uh, they set the thing up in a tent, and we actually make a tunnel, and they'll have you know 30 or 40 or 50 yard shots on the screen using their AR-15s. Wow. Well, we have uh, we have three or four sections of a army tent that would suffice perfectly for this, I believe. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to look like the moths got to it on the on the downrange part of it, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's that can be that, that's fine. Um, yeah. So I think that's the one for us because it covers so much theory that we don't normally get in Canada. And I know a lot of um, Canadians who take the courses that we organize here are defense-minded, but they haven't had the opportunity to go to Masada Yub, which doesn't all necessarily apply to Canada. So there is certainly a demand for that aspect of training here in Canada. So I think that's the one for us. But nevertheless, quickly tell us what the Practical Shooting 101 course is all about. Sure. Well, it, it's really uh, just what it says. We're, ta- we're taking all the way through from, uh, you know, you've just got a handgun, all the way through to basically what would be a black badge course. Uh, however, uh, all of the drills are more uh, tailored towards self-defense. For instance, uh, moving, any movement and things like that are only accomplished with a fully loaded gun, because you don't want to be slowing yourself down while moving from position A to position B. The, the reloading is done before you move, not during a move. Uh, use of cover so that you're actually protected by something, and what cover really is, because it's not what normal people would, would understand. And uh, the, uh, what we start off with, too, is a one-shot qualification. We get a lot of people who come in and say, yeah, I know how to shoot. Well, this was uh, something I stole from the fellow who's in charge of NASA's law enforcement uh, training and uh, they had a very small budget so he has what they call a one-shot qualification we take a five by ten piece of paper put it at five meters and from the low ready you have 1.5 seconds to put one round in the middle of it and if you can do that then we'll move on and use the other 49 bullets that we have in that box to learn something new if not we'll get it so that you can do that every time out but this is the kind of that's important because as you know the first shot is going to be the most important shot you ever fire exactly 
and that's why it oh, shouldn't be a And then we get into song. all kinds of things from, you know, uh, how to draw to, uh, to uh, drawing drills, precision shooting, and the mixture between precision and speed, uh, shooting extremely close, uh, uh, failure drills with the, the firearm, failure drills with uh, somebody who's wearing body armor and things such as that. Uh, we'll get you into drills such as the Farnham drill as well, where you're actually moving and you're scanning, and we give you a seven rounds uh, qualification with this, uh, which sounds like a whole uh, very little ammo, but it's one of the most challenging things because you're going to be having to clear a jam, you're going to have to uh, reload from a, a slide lock, uh, and be moving when you're not shooting at all times. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're standing there velcroed to the ground, uh, that's a zero. Let's start over. And yeah. all shots have an eight, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Wow. It sounds yeah. like uh, a bit more advanced, but very similar to what Matthew and I are teaching. Okay, it's, good. Sounds like and we also, get into, uh, we also get into pivots and turning and all of that stuff. And yeah. uh, flashlights. There's very few people teaching flats, uh, flashlights, which to me is essential, because uh, most situations in the home uh, are going to be in the darkness, uh, I, would, I would suggest. And that's an important uh, thing to be able to, to take care of, is how to deal with lights. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a qualification, which is exactly the same as the qualification that we do with uh, uh, armed guards, so that we have a percentage there that goes on, on your attestation that basically shows that you're as competent as somebody that the government allows to carry on the street. Exactly. This, is, this yeah. is what it's all about. You yeah. have had the use of force training. It's the same content that I teach security guards and that I teach and certify instructors of companies who are going to go home to dispense this training to their employees who are getting ATCs. Mm-hmm. Mm, kind of the same idea as Masada you using a modified FBI qualification test at the end yes. of his Mag 40. Absolutely. Yep. Very good. Okay. Um, so I could see us doing use of force year one and practical shooting 101 year two. Sure. Yeah, that, that, might, that, that, that yeah. would be a way to do it. I, cool. I agree with you 100%, though, Trevor. The, 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 the key one is the use of force one because that's the one that scares me the, the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a problem in Canada uh, with... Uh, People thinking that, well, it's so hard to be justified that, okay, I'm going to do whatever I have to do and we'll worry about it later. Well, mm-hmm. you can do both. You can, you can yeah. do whatever you have to do and be right and avoid a lot of what will come afterwards. Yeah. Okay? And, and I know, as I say, I know a lot of, a lot of our friends and listeners um, have been taking the how-to-shoot classes but want the when-to-shoot classes, but they don't really know where to get them. So now... Uh, by partnering up with you, we can make that available to our listening audience. Right. So, um, well, I, th- I, sorry, go ahead, Dave. That's fine. Go ahead. I think um, some of my co-hosts have some questions for you, so I'll be quiet for a change and let them jump in. Yeah. Uh, All right, uh, Dave. It's uh, Adriel here. Um, my first question actually is: uh, I was just, I'm just reviewing this PDF that you guys here have here for your cap system. It's really cool. So it's like a projector kind of thing that projects on a on a paper thing and you you're actually like uh showing a live scenario and having someone shoot at the at the screen almost right and yeah. it looks like that's exactly right it's a paper screen and your bullets go right through it and are absorbed by whatever you've got in your range as a bullet as a bullet trap yes awesome so and and then I'm I'm reading here um yeah so it reviews each shot so you can see where you hit and then you just kind of patch it up like you would any other target so you can right. you know keep yeah. shooting up the same screen Exactly. Yeah, you can actually watch the video on on the the, the Caps uh, tr- uh, site, the Caps machine site. I have two sites: one for selling machines and one for training. 
And uh, how, how it basically works is after you've fired a number of rounds, the instructor's programmed, uh, you know, because you never know what it's going to take in, in, a, in a gunfight, obviously. We can program it from one to nine shots. And let's say you've programmed it for three. It'll pause after the third shot's fired. But when we hit review, it'll stop and replay the video five seconds before the first shot, pause on the first bullet, show you where that hole is, pause on the second bullet, show you where that hole is, and pause on the third. And then there's also teaching slides, which are the key frames. So, for instance, if you shot at a guy and there's a crowd behind him, uh, it'll come up and there'll be little circles around all the people that you could have hit. Did you see them? Uh, where did your rounds go? What ammo were you shooting? Did it overpenetrate? That kind of stuff. So yeah, it's really not just... Cool faster than the bad guy it's all encompassing with the tactics and everything else that's involved because every bullet that you fire obviously has your name engraved into it mm -hmm. it's almost like uh like those golf simulators it's, it's like a perfect combination of like real world equipment because you, you're using your real world equipment with uh you know simulated uh scenarios right. well we we don't call i don't like to call it a simulator i like to call it a a, a training system because we really don't simulate we actually prove what you can or can't do. The, yeah, the only thing that would be more realistic than this would be actual bodies hitting the ground because it is your gun, it is your ammo, and that's it. And it, How much fact, extra how, how is that? How we look at it is when we're training snipers, <laughs> we go out to 150 yards with this. The machine actually compensates for bullet flight time. The people's heads on the screen are exactly measured and reproduced so that they're exactly the same as they would be in real life, and we get to see if you can deliver the pill at the distances and under the time restraints that you would have to in the real world. And if you look at it from that point of view, we're doing the same thing with the handgun. Very awesome. Yeah, very, very cool piece of kit and very specialized to, to what you need to do for training. Um, uh, for your book there, I was just looking, uh, is, is your book still for sale? Uh, it's available as a download from me. I'm not selling it anymore because the, law, the laws have changed so much that all it really does, and it's quite a sad thing, <laughs> is that it shows you how much we've lost since Bill C-17 and Bill C-68. It's just absolutely incredible. There's a lot of stuff in there that we're talking about so far as the choices of firearms and everything that are now illegal, obviously, because we were recommending uh, what are now prohibited handguns, and if you don't have, you never will. And now the way the laws are, using anything for self-defense that has the word prohibited in its description is going to cause you more problems than not in court, regardless of how justified the shoot is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds the same cool way as using a shotgun these days. Try to tell me that somebody using a perfectly legal, non-restricted, 26-and-a-half-inch overall length, 8-inch shotgun is not going to have that referred to as a sawed-off shotgun in the media. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to yeah. be dealing with, what is? why did you have a sawed-off shotgun? You must be a bad guy. You're perfectly legal, but guess what? The media don't care. That no, sells, that's right. That, that sells advertising, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, all kinds of things like this that come into it, too. Okay. One of my favorite lines, and the reason for taking the use of force course, is you don't know what you don't know until you've had this type of training, and I'm sure Trevor would back me up on that. There's just so much involved in this stuff that you haven't got a clue. I'm not trying to say that I'm the best and the brightest, but I do have enough, I think, that I can help you uh, avoid many of the pitfalls. You know, oh, I've yeah, I would a, definitely, definitely I've back a, you up for sure consultant to, to help people out uh, with this stuff, and uh, I hope it's been beneficial. But that's the other issue, too, is having been a use-of-force instructor and inventing this system and doing nothing but uh, doing use-of-force and judgment calls for this many years, uh, somebody who could stand up for you in court based on what it was that you have done being correct, 
uh, I think that would be somebody to have in your corner that would be a, a real asset should the worst ever happen. Absolutely. Um, Matthew or Kelly, do you have any questions for Dave? So, just, oh, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Kelly. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, you go first. Ladies first, no, of course. Stop being Canadian. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'd Dave. rather speak to Kelly anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Hi, Dave. It's Kelly. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know if you're finding that there's more and more use of force cases that are going to court, uh, whether it be police or civilians. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you use force of any kind, it's going to go to court. It really is. It's whether or not uh, you're going to be able to get out of it uh, easily or with difficulty. You need to understand that our, our criminal code, the way it's written, being able to claim self-defense, self-defense is only a defense to having been charged for something. In other words, you've shot and killed someone, you're going to be charged with manslaughter. If you can show that what you did was reasonable, it will be then deemed to be a justifiable homicide. And because of our self-defense uh, uh, law, you will be exonerated. But you need to be charged before you can use the self-defense a- avenue to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. So wow. it's, it's, yeah. It's so very, very rare that they will say, yep, you did a good thing. And, you know, the, the idea of patting you on the back while you blow the smoke out of the end of the gun, put it in your holster and walk off to have a coffee, you know, that is definitely just TV. You are facing some very serious stuff any time you use a firearm. In fact, a couple of years just for having pointed it. We actually had a case in St. John, New Brunswick within the last two or three years, Dave, where the guy didn't even spend 24 hours in lockup. He had been severely beaten earlier that day in downtown St. John, and mm-hmm. a car full of guys went to his house later that afternoon with firearms to finish him off, and he killed two out of the three from his doorway before they came into his yard, and he didn't even spend the night in jail. Right. Again, it all comes Un- down to what, what perception is and based on what has been going on. Uh, exactly. I'll give yeah. you another one that I see coming up all the time. You're going to have less problems if you disarm the bad guy of the weapon he's brought into your home and use it than if you produce your own. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Matthew? Well, yeah, I was just, I mean, curious. I mean, how long did it take you, <clears throat> since you're in Quebec there, to, to progress from cap guns up to the laser guns and then, of course, the real guns after that? Well, what we, uh, you mean from a point of view of training? <laughs> well, you're called CAP, so I just figured you started with CAP guns, right? And oh, then you, then you, yeah, then no, you move on CAPS to... has been very good. I, that's what it says on my, on my baseball cap. It says CAP. So when I'm on the road and uh, in the past traveling with many firearms, if I walk into a hotel to register and I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing, they say, what's CAP stand for? I say, oh, we sell hats. And that's the end of it. <laughs> that's perfect. I love that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, now, now, seriously, though, I do have an actual question. Um, you I might were, have an actual answer. <laughs> and, and this is probably something that would be covered in the course, so maybe it's a spoiler alert, but you did mention earlier that anytime you use any sort of firearm that had the word prohibited in it, you were immediately going to be in a world of hurt. Would you, um, would you say then that a, a Canadian is probably better off using a non-restricted firearm and preparing to use a non-restricted firearm in case of self-defense instead of a restricted? Well... That's a yes and no answer, I'm afraid, because here's the deal. Your main concern, if you're a person at home with family members, whether they be elderly or young children, is to secure them. And if you're trying to get them ensconced in a safe area where you can defend them properly, uh, trying to carry a child with a long gun or trying to roll a wheelchair with a long gun is absolutely impossible. That's a good point. I didn't think about that, yeah. 
So I guess so every, everybody's situation is a little bit different. You, you're going to have to decide for yourself whether or not, you know, grandpa's old shotgun's the way to go or, you know, your, your latest and greatest open Nipsic gun. Of course, I probably wouldn't right. ever well, recommend that. Again, we get into that and <laughs> the idea of not using anything other than what a law enforcement officer in your area would be using right. with mm-hmm. the type of ammo that they would be using as well mm-hmm. from a manufacturer who makes defensive ammo. Is there any That's- truth to the fact that if... if I have, say hypothetically, I've prepared uh, or, 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 you know, planned ahead and, and I have a couple of magazines loaded up with uh, the type of ammunition that my local law enforcement uses. If I have that ready to go and somebody breaks into my, into my house and I use it, will they not use the argument that, well, you wanted to shoot somebody because look at this, you have different and special ammo just in case somebody broke into your house as opposed to using the full metal jacket stuff that you would use at the range? I'd like to take right. this one. Well, it, it, it becomes a question of reasonableness. Okay, The reasonableness for that being there is police response times, first of all. And from, from the training that we give you, uh, we're talking mere seconds before somebody can get to you once they're in your home. So mm-hmm. you can waste the time calling 911, and if you survive, tell them what's going on. Uh, if not, you're not around to be able to say anything. So what we're trying to do is give you the least amount of problems should you have to face the uh, unavoidable. But what we're trying to do with our planning is to make everything as avoidable as possible and to be able to document what you did to avoid it. And the reason for going with the law enforcement ammunition comes back to being reasonable. Full Mm -hmm. metal jacket has way too much penetration. It Mm -hmm. has way too little stopping power, meaning you'll have to fire more rounds therefore increasing more chances for over-penetration and not having as much efficacy in stopping the person with fewer rounds. Right, and more I, reasonable? Yeah, and I understand all of that, and it makes perfect sense to me, but won't a jury um, look, at, right, look but, at me and say, it, it wasn't reasonable for you to, to have uh, hollow-point ammunition in your house because you didn't have any credible threats against you, while you, when, you when you went and bought that ammo? That comes right, back but, to the... To the, to the training that of how you will articulate what you did is what any reasonable person knowing what you knew at the time you purchased that ammo would do. Exactly. Yes. It's more reasonable to be using that type of ammunition than what you would normally uh, think of using. And you'll learn how to articulate that in court so they will understand it. Absolutely. Cool. Very good. Okay, Dave. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to, here's what we'd like to do. We would like to have you um, come teach a class at the Rescuers Gun Club in October. Uh, sure. Date to be date to be announced. So, listeners, if you are available some weekend in October, uh, send us an email with your interest, and um, then we'll we'll talk with Dave here. We'll announce a date probably as early as next week, and um, Dave will handle the the payment end of things. We'll announce the price next week and how you can pay Dave. And we'll handle uh, everything else, uh, setting up the range and whatnot and communicating with Dave. So it's definitely going to be October, hopefully earlier October than later. But I am committed to go teach a black badge in Prince Edward Island the long weekend. So maybe the weekend after that, we'll have to see what works with Dave. But in the meantime, listeners, if you liked what you heard and are interested in taking a a class from Dave, it will be the use of force two-day class. Um, Dave, you want to throw out the price on that one right now? Sure. The, the price is 400 plus whatever the applicable taxes are wherever we're running it. 
Okay, so we'll be running at New Brunswick. So it'd be four hundred dollars plus New Brunswick sales tax, payable directly to Dave. You can uh, contact him through his website to arrange payment. All we need now, we have the course, we have uh, the the price. We just need a minimum number of participants and a date. So how many people do we need to make this a go, Dave? Uh, we need to have at least a dozen and a maximum of fifteen. All right, so we need between 12 and 15 people that are interested in taking this, $400 for two days. Consider that's what Matthew and I charge, and you're getting a lot more bang for your buck, not to shoot us down, but shoot us down. See what I did there? I, I do. That was a good one. Yeah. Please don't Thank shoot you. us down. Please don't shoot bang us down. Bang for your buck. I like that, too. Yeah. I'm yeah, that's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, look, if we charge $400 and you're happy to pay it, then this is a real bargain because you're getting knowledge that Matthew and I can't provide, and um, hopefully you're picking up some some skills as well. 70% theory, 30% practical. Uh, this is, I'm going to say it again, this is Canada's Masada Yub. This is the only place where you're going to get the theory end and the legalities that you need to keep yourself safe both in and out of the courtroom. So I highly recommend everybody sign up for this. Send us an email. Let us know if you're interested, and we will announce a date very shortly. Anything else, Dave, before we let you go? Uh, no, just if they'd like to see the, uh, the the contents of the course, they can go to the uh, to the website for the training, and yep. that is at uh, caps-training.com. Okay. And if and they'd like to see in- the machine, there's a video of it being used on our sales t- uh, uh, website, which is caps-inc.com. Okay, and we'll include both of those links in our show notes when the show goes up tomorrow, so people can click on those and go right over and check out your website and those videos, and then hopefully start signing up in droves. Good. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you again on behalf of uh, the hosts here at Slamfire Radio, Dave. It was a real pleasure having you, and hope to talk to you again real soon. Well, it was great to be with you guys. Thanks. And again, I wanted to thank Dave for coming on. That was uh, that was really informative, and I think that, like, I, I wish I was on the East Coast because, like, I, I wish I could get into that uh, that course. Hey, we flew out to see you. You can fly out to see us. <laughs> <laughs> Can I teach a three-gun course out there? Is there some way I can, you know, schmiggle my way in there with, a, with having Maybe. my parts paid for? Yeah. A um, <laughs> couple of things. A couple of things we need to point out that the class will be a minimum of twelve, a maximum of fifteen. The course fee is four hundred dollars, and you need to sign up and pay by October first. So email us if you're interested, and then we'll put you in touch with Dave to make arrangements for payment. Um, it'll be at the Rescue Gun Club Saturday and Sunday. Um, if you need a place to stay, book your room early. Matthew's room is already booked and possibly, hopefully Kevin and Kelly's room is too, right? Kevin and Kelly, you'll get back to me on that. So anyway, <laughs> but Adriel will be there too. Of course, Adriel can have the coach. No, Adriel can Yay. spoon with me. I owe Ooh. him something. <laughs> so, huh. and, and Adriel, your little spoon again. Oh. So yeah, for October 15th, 16th book by October 1st, 400 bucks. This will sell out fast. This is Canada's version of Masada Yub. This is the closest thing to a Mag 40 you're going to get in Canada. This is about the how, uh, the the when to shoot, not how to shoot. 70% of this is theory deal, dealing with the legalities of self-defense. This is the only place you're going to get it, kids. You need to sign up. Yeah, this is this is one of those courses that you're going to be very thankful you have uh, taken if you do ever end up in a situation where you've got to use some sort of self-defense force because and, uh, this this is this is going to save your butt in court. This is this is the aftermath stuff. This is the important stuff where sure maybe you're still alive, but the rest of your life isn't going to be spent rotting in a jail cell. Yep, and even better yet, maybe this will teach you how to stay out of a shooting. 
Absolutely. Maybe you can avoid the situation altogether just simply because you know now a little bit more carefully uh, what uh, what the law actually says. Yeah. So check out the links for Dave's website. They're in the show notes and uh, and get back to us soon. Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, let's uh, head on to listener feedback. This first one's from Ohio Gobbler. Matthew, did you want to take this one? Do I ever? He says, I love your show and have been a regular listener for about two years. I took your recommendations on a first turkey slash all-purpose shotgun, and you were 100% right on the money. I got what I needed at a good value and no regrets. Hey, man, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody remember what we recommended? I think it was the, uh, it's what he mentioned earlier, later in the email, I guess. But uh, that's what I thought it was that we recommended, right? The Mossberg's uh, 535? I don't remember what I had for supper two hours ago. Come on. Yeah, that does that does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he continues on. Any medium budget, uh, less than two thousand. Recommendations on a good all-purpose skeet slash trap gun. I have found my shoulder is sore after shooting a twelve gauge for twenty-five rounds, and that's the out of the Mossberg five hundred or five thirty-five ATS. Uh, or it's sore after fifty rounds out of a Beretta autoloader. Um, over and under versus an autoloader, both. What, what, what do what we about, recommend? Uh, what about a Dominion Arms backpacker? That's what I was going to say, especially one of those mag-fed ones. <laughs> no, the backpacker's their break-open 14-inch one there. That's oh, what that little, cylinder. yeah. yeah. <laughs> or better yet, one of those little Boito hikers. It's 410, it's 12-inch yeah. long barrel with no choke. That'll be just <laughs> fine. Your shoulder won't hurt, but you're not yep. going to hit nothing. Well, let's, you know, maybe he's skilled enough to uh, put the hits on target. <laughs> it's advanced. It's advanced. Very advanced. Um, if your shoulder's sore after shooting 50 rounds out of a Beretta, um, well, first of all, I have to ask you, are you shooting target loads or are you shooting full, like, hunting loads? And if you're shooting target loads, you're going you're gonna to toughen up a little bit, maybe? <laughs> Um, any any 12 gauge auto loader that's shooting target loads, you you shouldn't be sore for quite a while. They're they, they're fairly soft shooting, um, and and if if that is a consideration where your shoulder is sore after shooting that much, man, that is a tongue twister right there. Um, I would definitely recommend an auto loader over an over under. Over unders do not absorb recoil at all. It goes directly into your shoulder because there's no action to cycle. The, the recoil goes straight through the stock, the stock, and then hopefully you have a nice recoil pad on there because that's the only thing stopping that uh, recoil from hitting you. So, um, yeah, I, I say autoloader, but which one? I that, I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not the expert there. Well, like if if you're just going to shoot trap with it and that's all you're going to do, the uh, su- surprising the, the Remington 1100 isn't a bad one. It's it's very light shooting. It's a gas operated shotgun. It's uh, it's not super flexible, so it's not good to use for for trap and skeet and for other things. But if all you want to do is shoot target loads with it and have a, a light recoiling shotgun, it's not a bad place to start. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be good. Is the Beretta that he's talking about here um, recoil operated or gas? What's the, that? The Beretta the Berettas are all gas. Oh, they are gas. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's it's the the eleven hundred should theoretically be just as soft shooting as the Beretta is, then, right? Because the yeah, yeah, so yeah, the A three hundred or something like that would do the trick. If you know, if he if he wants to get into competition with it over the long term, the thirteen oh one is a, a really screaming deal from Beretta, and it's uh, it's like fully kitted out for competition, mostly for like three gun and that kind of thing. But you could use it for 
uh, trap just fine because it's an auto-loading, uh, comfortable, ergonomic, uh, you know, extend the butt stock or change the cant of it kind of a, an auto-loader. So it would, it would do just fine for trap. Hmm. And, and the other thing, you, that, like Adriel just mentioned, uh, you can consider if, if your shoulder is sore after shooting. Yeah, I said it right that time. Um, you know, getting a shotgun that fits you actually may may help quite a bit. Maybe uh, maybe you're of a abnormal stature, um, and so you maybe the shotguns you've been shooting just don't fit you properly. Uh, do a little bit of research on how to fit a shotgun to your to your particular um, size body, and and that might actually help manage the recoil a little bit better as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, did you want to take the next one? Yeah, the one from Sharp ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. So Sharp ninety seven, uh, he sent us an email asking, uh, just wondering if stuff ever got hairy for us gunnies, would a form six help? And he also goes on to say, also, is it okay or illegal to pinch the li- pinch the lips of a forty five millimeter mag to hold nine millimeter? You can hold so. a lot of nine mil in a forty five millimeter yeah. mag. I don't know of any uh, 45 millimeter. Man, that's a uh, yeah. That's a lot. Of, uh, so, so here's the thing on the mags. Um, yeah. The the RCMP has made it known that their opinion is that if you modify a firearm to accept a magazine that will allow you to shoot more rounds than normal, that's apparently perfectly fine. But as soon as you start modifying a magazine to hold any more rounds than what it would normally hold, then you're in uh, no-no land. You can't do that. So um, if you if, if you get a, a mag, um, say a Glock mag, and you need to, like you say here, I'm guessing you meant 40 cal or maybe even a 45 cal, um, not millimeter, but uh, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're thinking that you can just kind of squeeze the lips together a little bit better so that it holds a 9 mil and they don't pop out the top, the RCMP is going to frown on that. You, you, they're going to charge you. You can't you can't modify a magazine to hold more cartridges than it's supposed to hold. If it if it holds those cartridges and doesn't require any sort of modification, you're good to go. I mean, you can stuff as many uh, as many rounds into a mag that it'll hold, and as long as it was only designed to to hold less than what the, the criminal code says is prohibited, you know, you're you're good to go. But you you can't modify the magazine. Modify the gun, cool. Magify modify the mag. Not cool. Not cool. And the Form 6 is only a temporary import license. Yeah, so you would be able to take your guns across the border if they got really bad. You know, the laws got bad here, but they're going to have to come back across eventually. So uh, you'd have to permanently export them if you want to keep them. And then you'd have to have, you know, someplace to store them in the States. So hopefully you have family members or something that would be able to take your guns and, and hold on to them until either the gun laws got better or you moved or whatever. Well, what if the gun laws got so bad here, you use your Form 6 to move over there, like to go over there on a tourist visa or whatever, and then you applied for refugee status, saying, hey, no, Canada's oppressive. As a gun owner, I am being discriminated against. I need to apply for refugee status here. I I like the way you think. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) This is what we are going to recommend from now on. I don't understand how this could possibly not hold water. Let's just see who wins the election first, okay? Uh, uh, Trevor, did you want to take the next one? (laughs) Sure. Where are we here? I've been busy sending emails. Stu. From Stu. Hello, ladies and gents. Who's Um, the last ladies? Well, Trevor. Trevor and then Matthew and Adriel and Kelly. Of there course, you go. The ladies, so. <clears throat> Trevor's definitely the most ladyish of, of the three of us. He's got the, the, the highest voice, the, the least amount of body hair. Are we finished? 
<laughs> nope. Really figure. Okay. Stu goes on. He says, all of your co-hosts are big, fat jerk faces. <laughs> Trevor that... is the best. <laughs> wow. So he says, this is the worst podcast ever. Just kidding. You guys are the best. See, you, I... look, look and, listen, Stu. You got you to gotta let us... You gotta let that sink in a little. You can't just say "just kidding" right away. You gotta wait till the end of the, that email. Otherwise, we're just like, "Oh, well, pff, not gonna take you seriously now." No, we just would have deleted the email and moved on. Exactly. He knows us. Yeah. That's why he corrected himself. <laughs> he says, "I've heard about your podcast for a while on an online board that shall not be named. I never got around to listening to it until last February, when I had a her- when I had a hernia surgery and a lot of time on my hands. I'm glad I did." I'm sorry you oh, had a hernia head. surgery. Well, I'm, I'm glad you had the surgery. I'm sorry you had a hernia. Yeah, well, I've got a hernia operation coming up this fall, so I wonder what Yeah, but I'll nobody cares about to. you. Carry on. Right. It's not about me. It's about <laughs> Stu. The first podcast that I downloaded was the one where Kelly was substituting for some slacker that decided to skip an episode. Mm-hmm. After that, that sorry. Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah. After we're we're that glad episode. you stuck around, Kelly. We really are. Thanks. After that episode, I binge-listened to many of your older podcasts and loved it. I must say, having a female on the show makes it a much more enjoyable to listen. Uh, yes, okay, that sounds fine. He, he wrote that correctly. He I did? Read it no, 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 yep. no. You read it correctly. He did not write it correctly. Uh, you'll just have to go with me on this one, Matthew. Okay. Very pleased that Kelly is willing to put up with you guys now every week. I did take a while off listening to you guys and was listening to U.S. Gun, gun podcasts, but it is really boring in comparison to your show. They're basically just advertisements for a few sponsoring brands, and the constant focus on CCW makes them not relevant to an average Canadian, except the Reloading podcast, which is good. You're welcome. Love the humor in the natural, easy way the show flows. I'm catching up on past episodes now and just wanted to let you guys know how much I appreciate your combination, your contribution, rather, to the firearms community. I've never done any reviews of any kind of a podcast or anything else, so please feel free to feel very special. And we do. Smiling with the tongue out. So it, it's, it's literally translating his emoji con. That's funny. I don't have an eye crap, so I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't have an eye crap. Any, any eye oh, he doesn't have any uh, eye uh, Apple products. I, yeah. That's awesome. I don't have an eye crap. So two thumbs up, and give and I'll give five gold. That's uh, five. Count them. Five gold stars. He has answered the call. I'm not sure what's the deal with the manatee flippers, but give yourself two if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the great show. Thank you, Stu. Well, thank you, Stu, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to write in. Anybody? Who's got Philp? I got Philp. Uh, from Jason Philp. Can you recommend a bipod? I bought a cheapie, 20 bucks. Well, that's <laughs> that's real cheap. It's lasted three years. I need a recommendation for one that can be attached by a sling mount or... Question, question, question. Will be mounted on a 17 HMR, maybe a 22 until I get an SKS. Does Tapco make a good one? <laughs> Should cost less than a hundred and fifty. <laughs> I love how he wrote that out, too. Um, I would say that if you got three years out of a $20 bipod, I'd get another one because 20 yeah. bucks till you know every three years till, till you're going to be out less money than if you go buy a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, like, like Trevor replied to you in the email, anything Harris is good. Now, I've got a 
Champion bipod, which I'm pretty sure is like garbage Chinese stuff. I've had to replace some of the nuts on it, and like once, and I threw some Loctite on there, and it's been fine. That was the one that uh, Trevor you used when you're out gopher hunting. It was just that, and I've had that thing for seven years. So cool. Uh, yeah, I, I I guess if if you're willing to you know buy new nuts and Loctite them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the in the world. It really isn't. Uh, in fact, that's what I usually do. I buy something cheap and crappy, and then I end up fixing it. But uh, but my fixes usually last, so I, I feel better about myself that way. Yeah. Yeah, Harris is good, too. Yeah. They make good stuff. And Matthew, did you want to take the next one here from James? Sure. Hey, Trevor, where's my gun? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've been jonesing for a uh, STI Stock 3. While I've been waiting, I thought or I bought a Flipperosity Sig 320 in 9mm for 61,700 Canadian pennies plus tax. Pretty good. Nice I thought. work. Yeah. Because he should have written it like that, but you still got it. I still got it. Yep. Go for yeah, it. I, I know how to do numbers. I do the numbers. No, Adriel. No commas. No commas, Adriel. <laughs> what are you doing a space for? Come on, you throw a comma. That's how you write thousands. numbers in English in Canada. <laughs> oh uh, man. James Bork wants to know where his gun is. James was the first one to win what? No, he wasn't the first one. Anyway, he won an STI off the prize table at SummerSlam, and I transferred it today. So It's on its way. Yeah, so while jonesing for an STI Stock 3, he, he bought a not. Flip, yeah. Yeah. So he bought a Flipperosity SIG 3, to, uh, 320. So by the way, Makes he has... Sense. Yeah. By the way, he continues, I have a SIG 320 for sale. Never been shot. Too much <laughs> Flipperosity for my liking. How do you know it's got too much flipperosity if it's never been it shot? shot? Or is that one of those uh, CGNs never been shot, only 50 rounds through it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two days later, bought a Benelli Super Black Eagle chambered in 3.5 inch, slightly used with six chokes, not a scratch or rust on it. Paid less than what uh, your Versamax is sold for. And it's a Benelli, not some crummy Remington. You can direct hate mail to trevorf at gmail.com. Trevor can forward it to me. <laughs> and I, I sure will. Uh, SummerSlam was great again this year. You keep outdoing yourself. Your ADD is unbelievable. My only complaint was I concussed from an open gun in the training or in the in the old space shuttle. Uh, need a blast shield to RO those open guys. Earplugs and my faithful motorboating gear ear sponges were not hashtag. enough for Shane's weapon. Yeah, hashtag that, motorboating that, ear sponges. Hashtag, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't number sign. It said number sign plus no. sign yeah. pound. My only complaint is the lawn was in need of a trim. Pierre Luc ten gauge master. <laughs> He's gonna sell that ten gauge actually. Beautiful double barrel ten gauge. Why is he gonna sell that- it? Um, he's, uh, possibly making some, some life changes and, uh, potentially looking at a career in armed forces and he wants to, uh, just be light and ready to go if need be. Interesting. You should have seen him and this wasn't to you, Trevor, because you did see him, but for everybody else, you should have seen him working that 10 gauge on the X metal steel targets at the, (laughs) uh, at the SummerSlam, he he was. It's got two triggers and two barrels, and he was pulling them both at the same time. Yeah, he was. He's a madman. Man, it was crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, James continues on. Question to Frosty: To open the loading port on the Benelli, Dremel it, or is there anyone that can machine it? Just want to open it up to help loading for three gun. 
What are the rules and how many rounds can be in the gun at the beginning of the course of fire? What should I carry on my belt for a course of fire? Uh, rounds of pistol, shotgun, and 2 to 3. I've only shot Ipsic and did one Daniel Shaw course. Boys, get on another course, or maybe we could go motorboating. I'm in. Remember, boobs. I'm sold. Cheers. <laughs> I'm, I'm texting him now. <laughs> he, but yeah, he'll probably want to get on this uh, Caps course, that's for sure. Uh, leave it to James. Him and uh, Don. Go ahead, Adriel. Sorry, I'm just, we've got a little bit of delay here. Um, to open up the port on the Benelli, uh, yeah, you can machine it. There's uh, there's different places that will uh, machine it and do a really nice job of it. Uh, I think, was it Tactical Ordnance that focuses on shotguns? and Casey, Benelli's yeah. And- Casey Attack Ordnance, yep. Yep. And I think Nathan at Osprey Ordnance, Nathan Anderson, out in BC, he'll do some work too. I mean, he's repaired mine and he sells followers and bolt releases so um, there's another option. Yeah, there's, there's one some, of these, yeah, yeah, good options out there. I mean, yeah, you can Dremel it yourself, but a, a Benelli is kind of nice. So no, 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 go with the Dremel. You'll be fine. Uh, you know, if if you want to go quick, use the grinder, not yep. the Dremel. Get get Dremel the big old yeah yeah bench grinder even. Just kind of hold mm-hmm. the shotgun receiver up to it and just kind of press it on. You'll be fine. Just you send us pictures. Lean into done. it. Yeah, yeah. Lean yeah. into that sucker yeah. and, until the sparks fly and still it gets red hot. Um, <laughs> In terms of round count, now it really depends on on your local club that runs your your shotgun and your your three gun. But uh, I find that two mags of uh, of Be- like Beowulf mags for your AR, uh, up to four for pistol. And in terms of shotgun, at least uh, oh let's see sixteen or so, being able to reload. And now that should cover you for dry starts and, and all that kind of thing, right? Cool. It, it depends on uh, the rules being run at the club. We run Ipsic, so you can't start with more than nine in the gun. The, you won't get more than nine in a semi-auto in Canada. So in a semi-auto That's in right. Canada, you'll run, like at the most, with a three-and-a-half-inch chamber, you'll run seven in the tube, one ghost load, one in the chamber for a total of nine. Uh, with a three-inch, you'll be you know one less Eight. than... We do that for pump as well. It doesn't matter if your gun can hold 20. You only start with nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys. I, I haven't seen a lot of guys out there with, like, a pump gun with, like, a 15-round tube or anything silly like that, right? I think there's a twist kind of a magazine that you can get for the 870 that has, like, a, a, a weird quad tube that's out in the front. But, like, I haven't seen any of those. I don't think anyone's going to run those. did ban that because it also fits on the semi-auto, and they said that that was technically more than five rounds in the mag? Well, so does the eight seven. The eight seventy one will fit onto the uh, uh, was it the eleven hundred or the other one? Yeah. So because it fits on the the semi auto, they said no, no, you can't have that in Canada, and so we can't actually get them. I've got a plus five for my eight seventy. Oh no, no, I mean, I mean the quad the quad loader thing is oh, what I, I was see. talking about. Well, that'll get you more on a semi, but like even with my mag tube that I've got on my eight seventy, it'll it'll fit onto a, a semi auto Remington. I mean, you could. You could potentially get more than the uh, the allowed. I'm not. I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just saying I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Probably <laughs> seems to make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you'd like to uh, email the show, just send an email to slamfireradio at gmail dot com. Uh, for iTunes reviews, we didn't have any this week, but if you'd like to leave one, go ahead and uh, log on to iTunes. I know you don't want to, and iTunes sucks, but that's kind of the place where podcasts get reviewed. 
uh, until Google gets their act in gear and uh, and starts to have the reviews there. Yes, do. So I don't care if you got iCrap stuff or not. Go give us a review on iTunes anyway. Yeah, log in. <laughs> you can do it in your browser. You don't actually have to uh, download iTunes, I think. Or do you actually have to download yeah. iTunes? I don't know. Yeah, do. I don't know. You have to actually have... Uh, you can't do it from the browser. All right, Stu, you're off the hook because I wouldn't want you to have to actually download that piece of garbage. I hate iTunes. <laughs> uh, for the people who have downloaded that piece of garbage, thank you very much. We've got 138 five-star reviews, 107 Canadian, 20, 28 US, one Australian, one UK, one Lithuania, and one from Belgium. That's awesome. Uh, any shout-outs? Uh, no. Yes. I... I had a couple. Go, go ahead, but... Kelly. I got a couple, too. Okay. I was going to give one to Adriel for all my Wonder Woman stuff Woo! and all the other stuff, too. Thank you. And also to Brian Sheets. Uh, I heard he was going out to get a superhero cape uh, right afterwards as well. So, you know, awesome. Just want to say hey. 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 Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, Trevor? I, yeah, I want to shout out all the awesome people that... I shot with and met in British Columbia and um, yeah, hope you check out the show and um, thank you for uh, letting me beat up your guns and uh, Rod, thanks for the awesome bacon burger and uh, showing me your gun room. Yeah, there's a lot of sweet stuff in there. Doesn't have a lot, but what he has is awesome. It's always nice when it's a gun room and not a gun safe. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to shout out our new Patreon supporters. So uh, we've got we got a bunch last week. We've got Chad G, Kevin L, Ryan B, Adrian R, Rob B, and uh, and of course Mike, who had uh, sponsored us the week before. And uh, one th- funny thing that I saw, uh, Ch- Chad sponsored us for five point five six dollars per month. So five five six. That's awesome. <laughs> I think seven six two is another good number. I was just gonna say, yeah. You could I mean, hey, you could sponsor us with three oh eight, three dollars and eight cents a month, you know, or, it's up yeah, to you. Yeah. But we are a metric after all, so seven point six two is really that really you know, is the, the Canadian way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you guys are all awesome. I I, I wasn't sure where we we're gonna get with this Patreon stuff, but it it's it's actually starting to to turn into something where we're actually going to be able to actually cover the cost of the show, where it's not going to come out of Yay. our own pockets anymore, which is, that, that's really cool. You guys don't know uh, what that really means to us. To to think that people will send us money to, to continue to listen to us, that just blows me out of the water. Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah, we're not having to pay them. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, well, as much. <laughs> as much. Right, so... Uh, I've act- so I actually made a new page on slamfireradio.com. So on the website, there's like a support this show. There's the Patreon link under there. That's that's the easiest. But if you if any of you are going to buy something from Brownells or Cabela's, anyways, uh, we've got a couple of links on there. And if you click that link and then you go buy from them, uh, they kind of like count our uh, us as uh, commission for uh, for bringing that sale to them. So that's another way of helping us. And uh, you know, if you're going to buy something from Cabela's or Brownells, anyways, that's an easy way to do it, right? Very cool. Yeah. Any other shout-outs, guys? Tip for me. I just want, you know, Thomas Bryant, I just, I just got to continuously shout him out because he keeps sending me guns. It's 
awesome. I'm actually getting ready to ship his, his gun back to him, so I'm not actually going to keep it until I get my PAR back because I found out it's going to probably be the end of October, and I just don't feel right keeping his rifle for that long. So, Tom, your your rifle will be in the mail soon. Um, uh, speaking of which, though, I'll need your mailing address, so if you want to email me with that, that'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah, I got some uh, Lucky Charms out to him, some of those targets you guys left over. So Awesome. Uh, him and his buddies are going to be shooting those. Uh, just to sign off here, please join one of our one or more of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. That's a forum where you can go to find other uh, cool gun owners out there and comment on uh, on on us. We've got a, a thread over there. Uh, like us on Facebook. We've got quite a few likes there. We've got one thousand five hundred fourteen. Uh, one hundred nine thumbs up. 15 gold stars and counting, two flukes, four manatee flippers now. That's up from last week. Two kangaroo thumbs and one safe space. You got the extra gold stars too, right? That we were at 10, we're at 15 now. Is that the. That's exactly correct. Awesome. Perfect. I just got to make sure we get all our gold stars because that, you know, as as somebody who works in the education system, gold stars are basically where it's at. (laughs) The currency. (laughs) The kids are trading them for smokes. You know, kids are getting beat up for them in the no, backyard. No, 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 We need to do this right. We need to do this like an elementary classroom. We get a chart, and we put it on the wall, and we put all the other Canadian pro-gun podcasts on there so they can look up and see how many gold stars they have in relation to everybody else and feel mm-hmm. bad about themselves. <laughs> Wait, no, it's supposed to motivate them to try harder. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, yep. But I think it's the other way. Yeah. I'm never going to get a gold star. Not with that attitude, Tommy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, good night. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.